0: What is going on? Every single person listening to this podcast, welcome back to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode 43. 43. Pretty hefty number, if I'm being honest with you. Um, We got a great episode for you guys today because it's going to be pretty much exclusively football. Pretty much exclusively. So we've got a great episode for you guys today because the college football playoff is... Hanging in the balance in this upcoming weekend, we're going to make, I guess you could say predictions, but also just general conversation about who is going to be in the top four versus who should be in the top four. We'll have an NFL recap. We'll have some ridiculous overreactions and thoughts on the NFL week that just transpired. Um, There's been a lot going on in the NFL, and some teams have shown that they're good. There's some teams that have shown that they're not good. So we'll dive into all that after week 11 in the NFL, and otherwise, hopefully you guys enjoy. The Phenomenal Fan Podcast, a podcast by the fan for the fan. All right, welcome back. Phenomenal Fan Podcast, episode 43. We are live on YouTube, live on TikTok, and we are going to go through the, uh, the college football and NFL news that has gone on in the last week or so. College football was crazy. It was absolutely bananas the last weekend uh, that we just went through. Week 12, technically, of the college football season. Nobody played good. Nobody played good. And I mean nobody, okay? Georgia, number one Georgia, beat unranked Kentucky by 10 points, 16 to 6. They scored 16 points against Kentucky. And they weren't the only ones, okay? Like I said, literally every single... uh, You know what? I won't say every single, but... The top four teams in college football that would be in the college football playoff right now if the season ended didn't play very well last week. Like I said, Georgia beats Kentucky by 10 points and only scores 16 against an unranked Kentucky team. Number 2 Ohio State against unranked Maryland. Ohio State's favored in this game by 26 points. They only win by 13. They barely beat Maryland. Number three, Michigan, takes on an unranked Illinois team at home and beats them by two points. Number four, undefeated TCU, takes on an unranked Baylor team. This game was projected to be close. TCU is only favored by three and a half, I think, or two and a half. TCU wins by one point on a last-second field goal. So what does that mean? Oh, the other one, the other teams that have potential to get in the playoff. LSU played University of Alabama, Birmingham, they they killed them. And number 7, 10 and 1 USC played number 16 UCLA, beat them by 3 points in a shootout, 48-45. Tennessee got their doors blown off by South Carolina, lost by almost 30 points. So, of the top seven teams who are the only ones that probably have a legitimate chance of getting into the college football playoff, Clemson is 10-1 and one at number 9, but they have a bunch of teams in front of them, so they're not going to. Of the top seven teams who all had a legitimate shot to play in the college football playoff, the team that probably looked the best over the weekend would be potentially LSU, but they played Alabama-Birmingham. All top seven teams, one through seven, didn't look like they were necessarily the runaway team to win the national championship this year. So what does that mean? It means we're going to have a lot closer college football playoff matchups than I think a lot of people think. If it holds how it is, or let's say, for argument's sake, because Michigan or Ohio State is going to lose against each other, if it stays how it is right now, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, TCU 4. Or, or, let's just say, for argument's sake, Michigan loses, okay? They'll drop to potentially 4, potentially 5. If USC wins out, wins the Pac-12 with one loss, having a couple of really uh, impressive wins, then there's potential for USC to get in. But if we, see, if we see a matchup between, hypothetically, USC and Georgia, I think that game's going to be a lot closer than people think. If we see a matchup, hypothetically, between TCU and Ohio State, I think that matchup's going to be a lot closer than people think. There seems to be this idea that Georgia is just the, the dominant force. They're the team to beat this year in college football. I think we have an opportunity this year to see a number 3 seed versus a number 4 seed in the championship game of the college football playoff legitimately because Georgia goes in a, on a in a road game and scores 16 points against Kentucky. Come on, Kentucky, they're 3, Kentucky is 3 and 5 in the SEC this year and they only score 16 points. I know they're 11 and 0, I know they went 8 and 0 in the SEC, I get it.
1: I just don't know I don't know I think
0: at the end of the day the best four teams in the country are as follows I think Georgia is number one
1: I think Ohio State is number two I think USC is three,
0: and I think TCU is four. And I say all of those teams because, to me, all four of those teams have one aspect of their team, to me, that stands out above the rest of college football. For Georgia, it's their defense, absolutely dominant defense. For Ohio State, it's their offense, right? C.J. Shroud, Heisman Trophy candidate. They have weapons. For USC, it's Caleb Williams. It's their offense. And for TCU, it's the magic factor that they seem to have. They seem to have this crazy, I don't know what it is. I don't know, I don't know what TCU has this year, but they have that magic factor. And on top of it, they've actually beaten some pretty good teams this year. They beat At the time, number 18, Oklahoma. At the time, number 19, Kansas. At the time, number 8, Oklahoma State. At the time, number 17, Kansas State. And at the time, number 18, Texas. Then they beat Baylor last week. They got Iowa State to end the year. And then they're going to be in the uh, Big 12 championship. So they're going to have one, two, three, four, five, potentially six top 25 victories, which is incredibly impressive, all of them by, like, one possession. So TCU, they don't necessarily have one thing or another that makes them stand out, makes them, like, oh, my God, these guys are unbelievable. It's just that they find a way to win, and I think that's a seriously good factor for teams to have. Tennessee giving up 63 to South Carolina. 63 points on the road. I also think TCU and the wins that they have aren't just quality, but being on the road in college football. Let me say this. Let me say this.
1: Home field advantage is always important to have, but it's
0: the most important by far in college football. The advantage you get from playing at home or maybe I should say the disadvantage you get as a road team is so astronomically big. Especially if you play at a conference that has big time, serious stadiums, atmospheres, fan bases. SEC, Big 12, Big 10.
1: So when you look at TCU's
0: record, they have a win... A ranked Kansas team. They have a win at a ranked Texas team. They have a win at Baylor. Those to me hold a ton of weight, a ton of weight. And you can see it clearly because Georgia loses or uh, plays Kentucky and only scores 16 points. Look at Alabama's two losses this entire year at, at Tennessee, incredibly hostile environment and at LSU, incredibly hostile environment, Death Valley.
1: Look at Tennessee's two losses this year. At Georgia, at South Carolina. Who else has one loss? USC.
0: Their one loss at Utah. Who else has one loss? Clemson. Clemson's only loss at Notre Dame. Winning big-time, ranked matchup games in college football on the road is the determining factor about how good a team actually is. That's why I don't know if Georgia's that good. That's why I don't know. Because they haven't had to play anybody in a true road game this entire year. I don't think Georgia is all that they're mocked up to be. Their defense is great. But they haven't played a true road game against a legitimate contending team. They haven't played anybody in the top 25 except for number one Tennessee at the time at home. They played Oregon the first game of the year. and Oregon just didn't come to play. And they beat the shit out of them. But other than that, Georgia hasn't played anybody and especially has not been tested on the road. They play Georgia Tech next week at home. Then they play in a neutral site against LSU in the SEC championship. Everything is in Georgia's favor. You look at a team like Michigan and why they, in my opinion, even if they keep it close with Ohio State, do not deserve to be in the college football playoff. Even if Michigan keeps it close against Ohio State and loses, they do not deserve to be in the college football playoff. Their schedule is atrocious. Atrociously bad. And that's nobody's fault but their own. And unfortunately, when you play a really bad schedule like that, you have to beat every team you play by a shit ton of points. Otherwise, it looks like shit. And even when you do play shit teams and you beat them by a million, it doesn't look great. Michigan's played Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Indiana, Michigan State, Rutgers, Nebraska. They beat Illinois by two points at home. I personally think Ohio State is going to beat the brakes off of Michigan when they play each other. It's at Ohio State. You want to talk about who has the advantage in that game? Let's say each team was completely evenly matched on every single, at every single position on each side of the ball. Ohio State wins that game by two touchdowns. That's how important home field advantage is for me. On top of it, Michigan stats just do not impress you. Quarterback play does not impress you. J.J. McCarthy, 1,900 passing yards this year,
1: 14 touchdowns. And they haven't played anybody.
0: Maybe he's getting pulled at halftime. I don't know. But TCU's resume, in my opinion, is probably the most impressive in college football. That has some to do with the fact that the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan, besides Ohio State and Michigan, the Big Ten, yeah, I would say that has something to do with The fact that besides Michigan and Ohio State, the Big Ten is absolutely horrible. So it's not necessarily their fault. But the Big 12 has been pretty solid this year. And TCU's played a bunch of ranked teams. And their resume is the most impressive to me. That doesn't mean they're the best team in the country. But they've gone on the road. They've gotten tested. And they've answered. And they've won every time they've had an opportunity. So for me, I think a TCU wins... Their last two games, including the Big 12 championship, they should find themselves at number two, or number three, at the lowest, at the lowest..
1: You look at USC schedule.
0: At Stanford, Stanford Stinks. They haven't played a ton of teams either, but they've scored a ton of points. And I think I'd rather see a USC. Versus Georgia, a high-powered offense versus a legit defense in Georgia. That's what everybody wants to see. I think, for entertainment's sake, the top twenty or the uh, the college football playoff for everybody's sake. I hope it's Georgia versus USC, and I hope it's either Ohio State or Michigan versus TCU. I hope it's number one Georgia and number four USC. And I hope it's number two Michigan slash Ohio State versus number three TCU. You got TCU high powered, gunslinging, Big 12, defense doesn't matter, conference against a Michigan or Ohio State team that is focused on defense, focused on running the ball, sticking it on the ground, and then a one versus four with a high-powered offense at USC and a ridiculously good defense at Georgia. The matchups would be amazing if that's the scenario. And that's what I hope it is. But I don't know what it's going to be. Nobody knows what it's going to be. Nobody knows anything. People act like they know. People think whatever. I'm just looking forward to the expansion of the college football playoff because I think there's some other teams in here that definitely deserve you know, a look. Um, LSU deserves a look. Clemson deserves a look. Uh, Alabama deserves a look. Oregon deserves a look. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Really exciting some of the matchups this weekend for college football. It's it's rivalry weekend, so you got Mississippi State and Ole Miss. You got Baylor in Texas, NC State in North Carolina, Florida and Florida State, Auburn in Alabama, Georgia and Georgia Tech, Michigan, Ohio State, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, Colorado, Tennessee and Vanderbilt, Washington, Washington State, Kansas, Kansas State. You get the point. You get the point. It should be a good weekend. So. We'll be back next week to talk
1: about it a little bit more. But in the meantime...
0: The NFL legitimate Super Bowl contenders after Week 11. Okay? The NFL legitimate contenders after Week 11. The Dolphins are... I'm not... Super Bowl contenders. These are the... Super Bowl contenders in the NFL after week 11. The Dolphins, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Eagles, and that's it. No, no, no. And the 49ers, and that's it. Super Bowl contenders in the NFL after week 11. Dolphins, Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, Cowboys. That's the end of the list.
1: NFL teams that are really good but not quite Super Bowl contenders. Ravens. Bengals. Um, Seahawks. Giants. Titans. NFL teams that are above average but will be battling for that one of those last playoff spots. Patriots, Bucks.
0: Oh wait, oh, sorry. On that on that NFL teams list, uh teams that are really good but not quite Super Bowl destined, the Vikings as well. NFL
1: teams that are above average but will be battling for playoff spots. The Bucks. I might have already said
0: the Chargers, but I'd say the Chargers, the Jets, the Patriots. NFL teams that aren't good at all, like are not good, but... Could be in a worse spot when it's all said and done. The Browns, the Colts, the Jags, the Commanders, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Falcons, and the Lions, and the Saints. NFL teams that are really, really bad. The Broncos, the Bears, the Panthers the Raiders, the Steelers. And I think the one team I left out was the Texans because they are just like historically really, really bad and are going to get the first pick. One, eight and one for the Texans this year.
1: My question is
0: in the NFL, Are there any teams that come to mind that you see or think of or hear that you go, oh, my God, I don't think they're ever going to lose when you watched them play at any point this year? Like, was there any other team in the NFL? Is there any team in the NFL that you've seen so far this season that you've watched one of their games and gone, oh, my God, they are so much better than everybody else? Because I have, and it's, again, the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are just so good. They are so good. I would be baffled if the Chiefs didn't get to the Super Bowl again this year. Shocked. Look at the rest of their schedule, man. Are you kidding me? Rams win. Bengals at Bengals. Who knows? Toss-up 50-50. Probably a win at Broncos. Win at Texans. Win. Seahawks at home. Win. Broncos at home, win at Vegas. Win, they legitimately could finish the
1: year 15 and 2.
0: Then they have a first round bye, then they get home field advantage for the second round and the AFC championship. And then there they are again in the Super Bowl. I mean, dude. Mahomes is ridiculous. And that, that takes me to my next point. But, or, well, let, me, let me wrap up by saying this. There's a lot of other teams that are really good that have a legitimate shot to get to the Super Bowl. But the way the Chiefs are playing, and if they get that home field advantage again, and they come up against, let's say, the Buffalo Bills in the AFC Championship, it'll be a great game. I just don't see the Chiefs losing. They just don't lose. They don't lose at home. Yeah, I know they lost to the Bengals last year. Bengals just had that magic. I just don't see the Chiefs not at least having a close game in the AFC Championship game with an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. Again. Again, man. They're so good. It's crazy, man. There's some other teams you should definitely watch out for, right? Baltimore, Tennessee the Bills, the Dolphins. And will it be the Chiefs that are going to the Super Bowl? Of course, probably not, because that's how it works, right? Last year, nobody had the Bengals going to the Super Bowl. When it's all said and done, the Dolphins will probably go to the Super Bowl, or the Ravens, or the Titans, somehow. But man, oh man, is Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs are just special. They're just special. On the other side of the... of the, of the uh,
1: on the other side in the NFC, I know the Eagles
0: are 9 and 1. I know the Vikings are 8 and 2. I know the Cowboys just just destroyed the Vikings and they're 7 and 3. The Giants are 7 and 3. But when I look at the NFC West and I see the San Francisco 49ers at 6 and 4 and I just watch them play, it is an absolute onslaught. Of weapons on both sides of the ball. And of those weapons, their quarterback wouldn't even make the list of the top eight to ten best players on their team. Their quarterback. Can you say that about any other team in the NFL that's winning or doing really well? Of those teams, all the teams I listed, right? You look at the Eagles, Jalen Hurts is, is a top three player on that team. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins is is a top ten, a top eight player on that team. Dak Prescott's A huge reason why the Cowboys are good. Mahomes with the Chiefs. Lamar with the Ravens. Tua with the Dolphins. Josh Allen with the Bills. Right? It's an important position. But you look at the 49ers. Jimmy G is really solid. And this is not a dig on him. But my goodness. Brandon Ayuk. Debo Samuel. Christian McCaffrey. George Kittle. Nick Bosa. Fred Warner. It is... Ridiculous how much it's ridiculous how the 49ers, first of all, are six and four, and second of all, how they should be, in my opinion, one of the top three odds on favorites to win the Super Bowl. They are scary good. If I had to make my picks for the Super Bowl right now, I'd expect a Chiefs and 49ers rematch from 2020. That's what I'd expect. The 49ers are nasty. Look out
1: for San Fran. My goodness. And that
0: brings me to my next point. Because we talked about all the other weapons that all these other teams have. Right?
1: Then we talk about Patrick Mahomes. This guy is
0: insane. I know a lot of Patrick Mahomes' success comes out of the scheme from Andy Reid because Andy Reid's a great coach, okay? But if Patrick Mahomes... Stays on this path and trajectory, he's gonna find himself in the Tom Brady, Peyton Manning greatest of all time conversation quickly, like within the next five to seven years. Look at his look at uh what he's had to deal with this season, right? Last year and every year, he's put up crazy numbers. They boom, they lose Tyreek Hill, a top three receiver in the league. Yeah, he's still got Kelsey. But losing a guy like that is huge. They reload. They get Juju Smith-Schuster. They had guys like me, Hardman. The amount of receivers that have been injured for Patrick Mahomes this year, and it just hasn't changed his production. It's crazy. And by the way, all this is happening with a very, very mediocre run game. Like very, very mediocre. Clyde Edwards Alaire, Isaiah McKinnon, or uh is that his name? McKinnon? Isaiah McKinnon? What am I what what am I looking at here? Jarek McKinnon, excuse me. I'm thinking of Isaiah McKenzie. Running back, it's been a it's been a it's been a rotating wheel of running backs. It's been a rotation. they he hasn't had one running back to count on all year. It's been Edward Zelaer, Wayne Gallman, Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Doesn't matter if they don't run the ball a ton. He just slings the rock and wins football games. Even if, in my opinion, even if he doesn't end up with the six, seven, eight rings, which he certainly looks like he deserves, even if he ends up with two or three I still think he's gonna be in the conversation for greatest quarterback of all time when it's all said and done. Because his numbers are just gonna be stupid, man. Stupid.
1: He may not have
0: the rings. I get it. But who else is really gonna find themselves in a situation like Tom Brady with Bill Belichick and the defenses? And, like in and in such a bad division, too. Like, it's, this isn't a knock on Tom Brady, and maybe half the reason why the division was so bad is because he came in and dominated. But every year, pa- Tom Brady had to deal with Jets, the Bills were horrible, and the Dolphins were horrible. Horrible division. Every single year, Patrick Mahomes has been in the league. Either the Broncos have been amazing, the Chargers have been really good. And the Raiders have been competitive. I mean, look at last year. The Raiders made the playoffs, and they're the worst team in the division, I think. Now the Broncos have Russell Wilson. Chargers have Justin Herbert. Weapons everywhere, all across the division. Doesn't matter. 8-2. Chiefs 8-2. Oh, oh, oh. By the way, by the way. Patrick Mahomes has played in 14 road divisional games since he's joined the league. He's 14-0. I don't know the comparison to other quarterbacks that are, on that, that are in that discussion for greatest of all time, but I can guarantee you Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Joe Montana, those guys didn't go 14-0 in their first 14 road divisional games. Mahomes is nuts.
1: He's crazy, crazy good.
0: And that'll bring me to my final comparison. Because this is important. And I don't know, I, I again I don't mean this I don't mean this as a dig on any quarterbacks in the NFL that are in that discussion that we've talked about. I don't mean this a dig on I don't mean this is a dig on Mahomes. I don't mean this is a dig on Tom Brady. Okay. But I
1: saw I saw a tweet from I think it was Barstool or I'm not sure.
0: But I saw a tweet that said, which, which tight end is better, basically, Kelsey or Gronk? I think, no matter what, both of these guys will be one and two, no matter where you argue when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, all time at tight end. Because, not only are you going to see their stats prove that, but on top of it, they both will have played with, I think, who will end up being number one and number two, depending on your argument. As far as quarterbacks all time between Mahomes and Tom Brady, you look at K- Kelsey's career. He's had he has sixty eight career touchdowns. He has nine thousand eight hundred career receiving yards. Gronk has ninety two career touchdowns in one hundred and forty three games. So, Gronk, Gronk has hundred and forty three games. Kelsey has 137. So only six more games. Brock has 92
1: touchdowns. Kelsey has 68. Kelsey has more receiving yards. But I'm not sure how many guys, like, Dude.
0: 143 games divided by 92 touchdowns. Gronk, dude. Gronk's averaging a touchdown and a half per game. I know Kelsey's amazing. I I know he's amazing. I think they're two different types of tight ends. And I think comparing Gronk and Travis Kelsey is apples and oranges. I think Gronk is the greatest red zone tight end, touchdown receiving tight end of all time. I think Kelsey is the best receiving tight end of all time when it's going to be all said and done. You also have other guys like Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates. I don't think you can say Kelsey's the better tight end all time. Or Gronk's the better tight end of all time. They also played with different quarterbacks and different systems, different styles, et cetera, et cetera. So that's my answer on that. And if you were wondering, you're you know you're debating the best tight end of all time. Just just they're all amazing. All right. And that'll wrap it up. Appreciate you guys tuning in to episode 43 of the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Uh, it was a doozy. It was a good one. Really enjoy talking football. Hopefully, we have some uh, some more help soon. We'll see. We may have different guys helping out, contributing, jumping in. Who knows? But appreciate you guys tuning in to episode forty three. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the Phenomenal Fan Podcast. Want more? Follow us on social media and subscribe to Patreon for exclusive content.